The Home Show with Sinead Ryan. With Daikin on News Talk. Hello and welcome along to the latest episode of The Home Show podcast with me, Sinead Ryan, coming up this week. Have you seen Channel 4's new series, Selling Superhouses? It's full of celebrities and I'll be chatting with the Irish contestant who's in the show. Solicitor Catherine Arda on your legal property and neighbourhood questions. What's involved in restoring China and church statues? I'll be finding out. And this season's hottest colour? Well, Natasha Rocketvine will be in to tell us all about it and how to match up different colours in your home. If you'd like to get involved in our pod or past comment or tell us a guest you'd like us to have on, well then do get in touch with us by email. It's thehomeshow at newstalk.com. You'll find me over on Instagram at Sinead Ryan 100. Channel 4 uh, have a new property show out called Selling Superhouses where aspiring estate agents, amateurs, uh, compete for the chance to sell London's most expensive properties. And Dubliner stand-up comedian and host of the Crack On podcast, Mary Doyle Heffernan, is one of them. Before I chat to her about her experiences on the show, let's take a clip. I'm feeling the pressure because although it you know, the whole staging was a group effort. It's kind of my responsibility now to get the team to the finish line. Hello. Hello, welcome, come on Thank in. you. I'm gonna stop you all here briefly, just to explain our target market. We thought we would target influencers and a younger demographic, so come on in. Mairead Doyle Heffernan, you're very welcome uh, to the show. Uh, and listen to me, what has it been like for a couple, I've seen a couple of the episodes, but for those who haven't, give us a premise of the show and what it's all about. So the best way to describe it is it's like The Apprentice meets Selling Sunset. It's like a crash course in selling property, becoming a real estate agent. And kind of as the weeks go on, the tasks get harder. And of course, the competition gets fiercer because people go home every week. So um, I don't know how many episodes you've watched yet, but hopefully I'm I'm still I'm still in the competition. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I was I was very happy with how I did. I learned so much, and it was it was a very intense experience, but really really great to because I've been so interested in real estate. It was a really good learning experience in that regard. Now, Paul Kelmsley is the boss, uh, along with his wife, Dorrit, and of course she starred on Real Housewives. So this is a power couple, right? <laughs> and they're, they're a bit in your face now, to be honest. What <laughs> were they like uh, to work with? I think in your face is a great way of describing it, isn't it? They're hard um, to miss as a couple, aren't they? Exactly, exactly. I think they, are, they just scream Beverly Hills. You know, they really are... Um, you know, they have a presence about them and especially PK, although he's a Londoner. Um, yeah, they're very glam, very high end. So it was interesting to be around them and he can be really tough. I mean, in episode one, right out the gate, uh, he made me cry. He did. <laughs> you had a few tears. So he, he doesn't pull his punches. No, he was hard work. And I think, you know, that's the nature of the show. You kind of you know going into it, okay, this is going to be tough. They're going to put you through the ringer. But I had no idea just how personal it feels. You know, you're mm-hmm. you're putting yourself out there. There's nothing to hide behind. And so when you're being judged on the task, it's you. It's what you bring to the table. It's how well you did. So I didn't realize how emotional I would get. But, yep, he definitely brought that out of me. <laughs> yeah. 
Tell me how you got involved in the show in the first place, Mairead. I've done stand-up comedy the last few years, but I was finding after the pandemic, I wanted something, you know, a bit more concrete to go alongside the comedy. I genuinely saw it as a, a career path. You know, I thought, wow, this could be a really amazing thing to go alongside my creative project. And a friend of mine knew that about me. She knew I loved real estate and that I was always kind of considering getting into it. And she sent me just a screenshot on Instagram that they were looking for people to apply to the show. And so I did it. And, you know, it was not that straightforward. There's a lot of interviews and they wanted to make sure that, you know, you're you're in a headspace that you can go through this intense competition. But in the end, I got it and I was delighted. Now, uh, I have to ask you about the amazing houses. Um, There's episode two uh, is boy George, who has put his £17 million mansion up for sale uh, with this agency. And I have to say, it's an extraordinary house. I don't know what I was expecting to see in boy George's house, but there's an awful lot of art in it. Mm. And they created some funny rule there were there were rules about you showing the house uh, yeah. particularly in regard to the yoga room tell us a little bit about that oh my god it was so awkward so they completely set us up to just look silly um the first rule was we had to say this buddhist chant which i'm not even going to try and butcher again i, I attempted it on the tv show i won't attempt it now and then the second one was we had to wipe down every surface that our potential buyer touched. And then the third was we can't speak in the yoga room. And can you imagine how awkward that is when you are showing a potential buyer around a home and then you just have to be completely silent in one of the rooms? It was so (laughs) painful. And then to signal, oh, now is our time to leave. Oh, my God, it was so hard not to laugh. Like... I know. And and celebrities kind of inhabit a different world to the rest of us. I think we know that. And certainly the rich ones do. Um, Now, you should have a background for this. You lived in L.A. for a while with your husband, uh, love-hate actor Aaron Heffernan. Uh, What was it about? Did you meet celebrities? What were the houses like there? Was it a different kind of a market altogether from London? It is. It is really different because I think... um, you know, Dublin and London are like melting pots of, you know, there's so many different walks of life and you meet so many different people, especially the houses, you know, it's such a variety. In LA, it's it's very, um, the, the difference is really stark, you know, you're either this big hotshot celebrity in a mansion or you're kind of a struggling actor. That really is, I feel like there's two types of people in mm. LA. And so I was really drawn to the kind of glamour of it all and but what myself and Aaron would do is we would get, you know, those Hollywood home homes tours and it's like celebrity homes tours. And we would <laughs> we would do a, a celebrity homes tour and it's like a bus that brings you to all these different <laughs> homes. And it was like it was the, the funnest tour to do because we just see all these huge houses and it would be like, this is Katy Perry's house. This is Bruno Mars. house. <laughs> we used to love it. But yeah, it's a whole other world. You know, I feel like I feel like it's Disneyland there, yeah, you know, but I, yeah. I loved it. And what's next for you now, um, Raid, after your experiences uh, on selling super houses? Uh, is, there, is this in your future now, top end estate agencies? Well, I mean, you'll have to watch episode six and see, you know, the full answer. But what I will say is I, I love real estate, but, I, but comedy and acting and, 
you know, performing is my number one. And I, I found through real estate that was a way that I could exercise that. And I really enjoyed it. And I want to keep that up. But I think I'd love to write about my experiences on the show and put that into stand-up. So I'm kind of planning to do mm. that um, and maybe bring it to Dublin and do it around London and everything All for right. the next while. Well, well, that is certainly something to look forward to. Uh, stand-up comedian and host of the Crack On podcast, uh, Mairead Doyle Heffernan. Thank you so much for joining us this morning on The Home Show, talking about all those glamorous homes. And Selling Superhouses is on Channel 4 on Tuesday evenings. Mairead, thanks a million. are listening to The Home Show podcast with me, Sinead Ryan. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can do so by texting us at 53106 for 30 cent or email us at thehomeshow at newstalk.com. And in fact, lots of you did that because last week uh, I said that we were going to have Catherine Arda, solicitor, in with us this week to talk all things about neighbourhood disputes and boundaries and planning and all that kind of stuff that gets people very, very exercised. So we've had lots and lots of people who did email us and uh, indeed uh, contacted me in other ways. So we have brought Catherine into studio. Catherine, uh, thank you very much for coming in and joining us on The Home Show today. Thank you very much, Sinead, and thank you for having me. Now, um, in terms of advice, like, listen, we're getting in queries now about things and, and I know that you cannot give comprehensive legal advice here. So it's really just help for people who, who are in these situations about where they can go and what they might do next um, to deal with the issues we have. But I'm finding that um, a lot of the same type of thing came in. So let's kick off with some questions because we've lots and lots of them. We'll try and get through of them. So the first one uh, came in from Mary, who said, I have a boundary fence with my neighbour, which I recently had to replace due to wear and tear. He says it's now further back than it was before and he wants me to have it moved. I don't think it is, but there's about a metre of scrub between us and if I, she had a family member restake the fence while they were away. So I don't have to move it again, but I don't want to fall out. What can I do? Now, this is going to come down to inches and centimetres, is it? And so when you buy a property in Ireland, um, now everything has to be registered in the land registry. So you have a map that corresponds to a number that's held centrally in the land registry. So literally, you'd have to pull down your folio and look at the map and see if, you know, the ground matches the map. And if it doesn't match the map, um, you know, she's going to have to move her fence, unfortunately. Right. It comes down to that. You'll get an engineer out and have a look and see if it corresponds. And do you find that many people, like, I mean, okay, there's whatever it is, she said a metre of scrubland. But if the fence is bad, like if it's, I don't know, what's a metre, three feet? A metre so can be quite substantial if yeah. it's all cleaned up. Like okay. scrub land is still land. So yeah. it's a... Uh, Do you find that people fall out over that kind of thing quite a lot? Yeah, and obviously when you're getting trying to get on with neighbours and when there's any t- type of dispute with neighbours, it can be really stressful and you're going to have to live with these neighbours yeah. for a long time. So I always urge people like not to like go down the legal route. Try and mediate some sort of agreement with your neighbour before you get stressed and anxious and start falling out with them because you have to live with people. So the fence really time. has to be then halfway exactly or or is it worth checking out where it should be? Well, the boundary? Should be, well like for be? instance, perhaps like in Dublin, where space is very limited, you have a party fence. Mm-hmm. Um, so like one side of the fence is, is your land and the other side of the fence is your neighbour's okay. land. And that's how it is you know, with all land in in the country. So there's a line that divides it and that's where the fence should be. So find out where the line is Mm. and maybe for other people, um, get get a 
measured professionally yeah. before so you when kick you off. buy a house you get what's called a, you ask for a document what's called a declaration of identity that's where an engineer has actually gone out and checked the boundary with the land registry um, so you might go back to your declaration of identity or get an engineer out to just to take a look at it and make sure that it corresponds perfectly. Okay, all right. Otherwise, it's an expensive lesson um, for Mary. Okay, uh, next question comes in from Jim. He said, my neighbour got a dog during lockdown, sure didn't lots and lots of people, which barked a lot when she went back to work. I complained to her and she said that the dog was lonely and she didn't want to have a dog minder in the house. So she got a second dog. <laughs> oh, God, I know where this is going now. She got a second dog to keep company and now they're both barking all day long. I work from home, so it's incredibly annoying to have any redress. Uh, Jim said, he, I spoke to the guardy who said they couldn't intervene and she's not answering me now. Yeah, it's a really difficult one, obviously. And again, you don't want to be falling out with your neighbours. Um, there is a nuclear option where you can go to the district court and bring a case for nuisance. But do you really want to do that? Um, so that means that under the legislation, the district court can actually require um, sort of to, reduc- to reduce the sort of amount of time your dog's maybe in the back garden or on the premises totally and can even um, order that your dog, you know, you reduce the amount of dogs you have. So like it can oh be quite gosh. drastic to go down that road and I don't think anyone really yeah. should be doing that. So Is try there and talk a, to your neighbour about yeah. getting a dog walker in perhaps or or putting um, them in doggy daycare or something like that. I mean, I would worry for a bar- barking dog is obviously in distress if they're barking that much during the day. So I wonder is there a case for going to the maybe the local dog warden in the local authority and, and kind of having a word there. But the neighbour's going to know you reported it, aren't they? Yeah, I don't know if the dog warden is going to do much, to be honest with you, because it's on private lands. I think you're going to have to go down the district court route if you are going legal. Right. The only other option is to mediate some sort of agreement with your neighbour okay. and try and, um, you know, resolve the issue okay. calmly with All them. Right. And maybe record the barking so that the neighbour has an appreciation for what you're talking about maybe during the day. Yeah, it's probably a case like I don't hear my own children screaming. <laughs> <I know>. <laughs> <laughs> but other people might. Yeah, yeah. All right. Okay, that's a tough one now. That one isn't going to go away. All right. Uh, another one from uh, somebody who calls themselves an avid listener. Thank you very much, avid listener, for listening to the Home Show. Uh, Hi Sinead, I share a driveway with my neighbours. I've been living in the house for years and have a great relationship with the neighbours. They have two boys um, adults their eldest son got his first car in June and as there's no space in their driveway he's taken to parking in my driveway oh dear the driveways fit two cars and now they have three cars I live on my own and have one car Uh, he did ask me once over the summer could he park for a few minutes but now it's a daily thing I was stuck last week and couldn't get my car out now that would seem to me to be taking the mickey is that a legal term Catherine <laughs> well I tell you so this happens quite a lot so you, again Sinead you have to go back and you have to look at the land registry and your map okay so a lot of the time when people have shared driveways one party might own the land and the other person only has a, like a right of way over it not necessarily a right to park on the on the driveway right. so it's an access route rather it's, than yeah, exactly okay. so you really have to have a look at the land registry maps and like so this lady should take the maps out see does she own the property? Is it registered in her name where this um, young neighbour wants to park? And if it is, just go in with the map and say, listen, I don't mean to cause stress. If, if it's an emergency, you're absolutely welcome to park on my property. Mm. But otherwise, you know, please don't because I have visitors and sort of maybe address it that way. But, you know, it's worth for everyone taking a look and sit, pulling down their folio if they have access to it. Um, on the Land Direct website because it's really, you know, you can get a lot of information in terms of what you actually own. I had cause recently to go and look for my own folio Mm. and it turns out there's an awful lot of properties not registered 
So maybe properties that transfer in hands. Dublin, especially oh as well. Oh my because, goodness! So it's the rest of the country are pretty much all registered. Yeah. And Dublin um, is still sort of going through a process of first registration. So from 2010, when you bought a house or or remortgaged a house, you had to do what was called a first registration, and that's the process of putting your map into the centralised system. Yeah. Um, or getting a solicitor, whoever the conveyancer well, was. Okay, who does that? Yeah, okay. Exactly, yeah. So listen, that's a tough one. I would go, yeah, I, it's probably good advice, Catherine, go down the route of lo- having the quiet word mm. and explaining your situation. Um, and but then be if it armed with the it, information so at least idea. you have your folio and you have your copy of your yeah. map and you can say this is yeah. this is mine, this yeah. is yours. I'd propose a rent, but anyway, that's just me. <laughs> right. <laughs> right, question four comes in from Sharon. Uh, Sharon says, uh, my house backs on to poorly maintained scrub land owned by the local council. There is a lot of invasive weeds that grow from the land into my garden hedge, ivy and bindweed. This is down a ditch that I can't safely access from my garden uh, or even entering their land. There are some trees that have not been maintained that are growing really tall and blocking out the view we had. And there's evidence of rodents. Oh my goodness. I emailed the council a few times to take a look, but I haven't heard back to have any rights. So this happens quite a bit in Dublin because especially... um, in the suburbs, there's a lot of old laneways and some people go and take the land in, but just be careful, you cannot adversely possess, possess publicly owned land. So sometimes in this situation, you might have to go the legal route and maybe write to the council and, you know, threaten some sort of nuisance proceeding. So they might engage with you in terms of either cleaning it up or if it's only a small parcel of land, they may transfer the land to you for a nominal sum. But I would definitely try and open up, you know, a good line of communication with someone Right. So it seems to me then what you're saying is Sharon now needs to get this escalated within the council. So somebody needs to get a fright, maybe with the lawyer's letter, and they'll escalate it up, and then a decision can be taken. But she might end up owning it for a quid or or yeah, something. There like might that. there will be legal fees involved, but she can't. You can't adversely possess public land. So okay. that's just something so, to bear in so mind. So do it properly. Do it properly. Okay. Absolutely. All right. Okay. And get that sort. And and I'd be mentioning the rodents as well while I was there. Uh, and then finally, we've a question from Paul. Let's just see. We have enough time. We'll see how we get on with it. Uh, her, his question revolves around construction management plans as required as a planning condition for a dormer extension that Paul is building. How formal a document does it need to be? Can he do it himself? How enforceable is the plan if the building takes longer than he thought? Uh, So it's a dormer bungalow. The neighbour objected. There was a sunlight assessment provided, he said, and then permission was granted and then it was appealed to on board Planola and then it was granted with the condition. So he's at the end of this very lengthy process with planning. How how is he fixed now, Catherine? Okay, so you have a neighbour who's put a lot of their own time and effort into objecting to your planning permission. So what I would do is, instead of doing it myself, I would probably engage a professional just to make sure I have every box ticked off. <laughs> yeah. um, I, as a solicitor, wouldn't feel comfortable myself drafting a construction plan like that. Um, so, so what kind of a solicitor is he talking about? Somebody who specialises in planning? I an engineer, an architect okay. who, would, who would draft these type of plans where, you know, it might discuss things like, you know, the time you can start your build, how many days a week you can do it. Um, so you want a belt and braces approach so it doesn't yeah. keep bouncing backwards and forwards. And also you're going to have expensive. delays. So you want a, a plan that has sort of event, different eventualities in it so that like you have that bit of flexibility and leeway if there are delays. Because there's so many delays now in the building when yeah. you are trying to build a, a 
an extension with like trying to get trades, different trades people and different materials. So definitely engage a professional. Don't do it yourself, especially because you're at the last hurdle here. Okay, and you don't want to kind of come back and you're at the end of the queue then just because there wasn't a contractor available at the last minute yeah. or something. Okay, all right, Paul. Well, that is uh, that is the answer to that. Don't. It's not a DIY job at this stage and you've invested so much time and money, you might as well see it through. Um, Catherine, thank you so much uh, for coming in and answering our questions. We got loads of questions. We will definitely have you in again because there are lots of uh, people who want to be nice to their neighbours but also make their point heard. I would always advise keep your neighbours on side and bring bring them the present when things are getting tough on your side if lots of noise is being created. Yeah, where you can. All right. You're going to do yourself out of business now by saying that. <laughs> going to your solicitor until you have to. Yeah. All right, Catherine, uh, thank you so much. Where can people find more about you? Um, if you go on to www.rdalaw, it's Arda McCabe Solicitors and we're based in Crumlin Village. Fantastic. Thanks, mate. All right. OK, listen, Catherine, thanks a million. And uh, that is uh, our legal slot. Now, my next guest, Susie Conway, started out as an interior designer in London in the early 1990s before moving into restoration. She's one of the few dedicated china and statue restorers still practising in Ireland today and has been working in restoration uh, for 20 years. And she joins me now. Welcome along to the home show, Susie. Um, Now, restoration is an unusual business to be in. How did you get started? I often ask that myself. Um, <laughs> I think I was in Australia and I think I saw their restoration. So I came back and uh, I looked up how would you become a restorer in Ireland and it was Desiree Short, North Great George Street. Uh, she actually bought a back the craft from London. She sought in Convent Garden and she trained there and she came back and she uh, started her studios in North Great George Street. So she was offering a course in that. I did the course and then if you were eligible, you could stay with Desiree for a few years and use her studios. And she was very heavily involved in the Georgian Society of Dublin. Mm. So we had people like Desmond Guinness calling, um, you know, very, uh, you don't know what comes to the door. It's uh, kind of exciting and it's very different. Um, So that's the great thing about it. It's very varied. Sure. And you must also hear lots of stories about the pieces you're restoring because they're, they're, some of them, I'm sure, are very old and they are family heirlooms. And, uh, you know, people get very emotionally attached to pieces, don't they? Oh, they do. Yeah, a lot of my work uh, would be sentimental um, in that regard. You could restore something that is uh, very precious to somebody and it's irreplaceable. So... I find that giving it back, you know, people's reactions are amazing uh, when they see their precious item, you know, uh, restored. I've seen some of the restorations on your website, which is com, and some of them, you have pieces of china which are smashed. I mean, not just cracked or a piece of, like, is there anything you can do if you find, say, a piece missing? Or, you know, because I suppose what your job is a little bit like putting a jigsaw together. Oh, it is, uh, Sinead. Actually, that's my favourite part. Uh, I love making missing parts. So you might have an arm off, fingers off, and uh, then it goes flying. And uh, people realise then when they don't, you know, they might say, oh, I've all the pieces. Um, but 
you know, when things break, things go flying, they go underneath the couch and everything. So I take it to the, I, I assess it. And then if they've missing parts, I, I, uh, I can remodel those. So I always say to people, if it breaks, try and sellotape it onto the piece you know, until until you're ready to get it restored. Repairing church statues is a core part of your business. How does that come about, that so many statues get broken? And what do you do about it? I was in a church there maybe for six months because they were doing a huge job on the church. It was a Gothic church uh, architecture. So they, you know, they really wanted to do everything right. So there was about 15 life-size statues there and I used to do three at a time so they needed an overhaul of paint there was uh, pressure cracks on them through age and they might be their finger might be off there might have been an arm off you know so you would um you would restore the piece and then the colors are very um personal to people so you Mm -hmm. discuss the colors what they wanted they want to go with the original or do we would he, would he change them? And um, also, I do shadow and light when I do um, the statues, meaning that I put in, say for a robe example, I would put in a darker red shadows, you know, as if mm, the robe was mm. glowing. So give them a bit of life instead of that matte dead sure. um, look that they often come with. It gives them a bit of life. Indeed. You know? All right. Well, and we don't, we, well, I mean, we've had enough of the moving statues in this country, but certainly ones that look 3D at least. Uh, Susie Conway, porcelain and statue restoration expert. Thank you very much. You're very welcome, Sinead. You're very welcome back to this segment of the Home Show podcast with me, Sinead Ryan. And I'm delighted uh, to welcome back into studio Natasha Rocca-Devine. And this week we are going to be covering all things colour combinations because I think um, it's probably a topic that comes up again and again for us about how to match what with what. Uh, Natasha, you're very welcome into the studio. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure as always. <laughs> and um, I, I love purple. It's my favourite colour. But it is not colour of the year. Uh, and you are going to talk to us this week about colours and combos. And I think people find uh, or they have a fear about Absolutely. putting bright colours together or two colours. You're, you're not always quite sure what goes with, with what, what, you know. Also, I feel like it's very similar to fashion. And I think if people look at it that way, it's an easier way. So what goes with, you know, what do, What are you drawn to your own fashion style? You know, yeah. what do you wear on a daily? I'm not saying that you have to combine that into your house, but it's a, it's a good way to start. Yeah. So if you're brave yeah. with your fashion, I think it's easier in your design. But I think magic, magenta, I love magenta. That's colour of the year. It it's is. Pantone. Colour of the year. year. And so, it's a really brave colour. You know, yeah. like it's a really brave, I feel like it's kind of reflecting where everyone's at in the world. You know, everyone's kind of, I don't, I feel like there's a lot of excitement going on. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's just a gorgeous colour. But if you look at that, like it's a very strong colour. So for someone who, you know, would be a little bit averse to colour, you could combine that in a very, you know, with a much cooler kind of a cream or a camera colour. So you could have like, a, for example, a feature wall or a headboard or your accessory. So it really depends on, I think people can look at it in a large or small scale. I always say that depending on your personality. If, you, if you're really brave, you could do the whole room uh, magenta. <laughs> okay. But also for that co- kind of colour, it's it's for something I would say like a living room, an exciting room because it's, it's an energetic colour. Like mm. I wouldn't put that 
out of my bedroom because you might, you know, you may not sleep. Right, of course, yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I think it, I, I would say for colour, I would break it into spaces more than the whole house unless you're keeping it neutral because, for example, yellow, um, it, you know, makes you hungry. It's in all the fast. It? Yeah, it's scientifically proven. Oh. And red, actually it increases, I think red increases your temperature by a couple of degrees within like 10 seconds. In a, if you have so red it has like an impact on the brain and yeah. how you say, oh right. Absolutely. So yellow makes you hungry. What's yellow now? Oh, McDonald's. McDonald's and red. red. And, <laughs> and they also put it into the light. So there's RGB right. in the light. So they, they kind of up that in the lighting. So all of like the fast food restaurants, all of like um, Walmart, you know, all these kind of like big yeah. chains, you know, near the counter, you're buying everything. You know, you get it overexcited. The impulse thing. Oh, yes. TK Maxx, of course, TK is Maxx. red oh. as well. Well, oh, God, here we are in our red studio. I was just what does say, that tell you? Absolutely. I get so excited in here. But yeah, but I think like it doesn't mean you can't use it, Sinead. So it's yeah. about where you use it. Okay. So it's putting it into kind of, it is good to have it in a kitchen area because you do want to increase your appetite, you know, when you could sit down in a dining. But it's how you apply yeah, it. Yeah, and yellow is a particularly tricky colour because it like even if you're wearing yellow, it's very hard to team I don't wear yellow yeah I can't wear yellow yeah, my, it's my skin tone or something yeah, yeah and I think a lot of people are like that yeah. it kind of either bleeds them out or yeah. it makes the rest of their skin look a bit green exactly um, yeah but so, you could have sorry yeah so you have to be careful so if you have if you just love it and you want that splash of you know colour especially this time of year would you restrict it then to maybe yeah. a cushion cover or yeah, exactly. a vase? Or I think, something? yeah, or art, you know, things okay. like simple things or a rug. Like, it's you know, really kind of simple ways or things like tiling. You could bring it in in tiles or in a panel, you know, like mm. in kind of in really decorative mm. pieces because it's quite blingy. But I think a softer yellow actually makes you sleepy, which people aren't aware of. So you could put it like in a kid's bedroom, things like oh, okay. that. Or in a, like in a spare bedroom or something like that. But and it, lots of people like to decorate a nursery in yellow if they don't know if they're having a girl yeah. or a boy. And, you know, maybe it's, it's a kind of a neutral colour. Yeah. So you would say just keep it really soft. Soft. I'm more on the pastel, I would okay. say. I prefer. Or yeah. in wallpaper. Like, you know, it, it's an accent versus, I, I wouldn't say to put the, you know, the neon yellow in any part yeah. of your house. Yeah. And you were mentioning tiles there. Uh, I was saying at the top of the show that I did a restoration, <laughs> which is a very grand term, for uh, redoing my downstairs bathroom. Yeah. And I discovered, and I think it was, it must have been you who said it, or at least one of our designers who comes into this stuff, one of our fabulous designers, uh, about the the whole world of, of decals yeah. out there, which I had never discovered before. And these are, for all intents and purposes, like sticky contact paper, and you put them over tiles. Yeah. But they also stick onto the wall. And my husband came home, he didn't know I was doing it, and he walked in and he asked me who did the tiling. So, uh, like, they're fantastic. So even if you went with a colour yes. that you weren't sure of, but you, can you put did it, it on. that Absolutely. way. Absolutely, exactly. And it's a trial. It's like it's like getting a henna tattoo before a real tattoo. Yeah. You're giving yourself, <laughs> you're edging yourself in. And I totally agree. But Baby also, step. Exactly. But also some people, especially in a kid's room, they're going to grow up. So maybe they don't want that or in a couple of years. Or I know a lot of people who like particularly in interiors, they like to change their house once a year. I think that's a lot of pressure. Do so they? Yeah, they like to mix it up wow. once a year. It's just, or people I know are seasonal designers. Like I see a lot of them on Instagram, like they're seasonally starting their home. Like I don't do that. Like I do put in accessories, you know, because I have a toddler now, but before her, like I wasn't, you know, accents. Yeah. But for people like that, it's perfect, you know, where they're, they're pushing it in or as you say, long term, if someone's kind of testing it, I would say keep it there for at least three months or ideally over a couple of seasons to see how 
how you feel in winter, summer, you know. With the light, exactly. because it changes, changes especially absolutely. in Ireland. But I suppose if you are doing that and you're you're keeping it cheap, you can also store things like cushion covers and throws away and then bring them out 100%. when you want to do that again. Yeah, okay. and you can get them in charity shops and, you know, like there's ways of doing things really cheap and I think it's best to keep it on a softer, kind of more relaxed yeah. scale, especially yeah. with bold colours. Okay, and while we're talking about bold colours, you know, I love those jewel colours, you know, those rich greens, the bottle greens yeah. and the navy blues and the, the kind of jade greens. You have thrown them all together because you, you sent me in some colours here and combinations of doing it. And I know you'll pop them up on yeah. your Instagram. But like that looks super artistic. I would just be afraid that it just looked like a hideous clash if I... <laughs> No, but I think it's one of those brave things you have to go for it. And it's a cool combinations, essentially. You're bringing all these kind of cool colours together. But there are, as I said, it's about the tone you use. So the photo you're showing is quite rich and warm. And I think if you're putting them that close together, like a navy couch or navy panelling against a green couch, you know, you have to, I would say, go with the richer tones, not the neon. You know, the kind Mm. of like it's a bit more, it's just, it's quite relaxed. It's quite royal, I think. It's quite, you know, it's got that opulent look to it. But it's all back to really what we're saying. It's how brave you want to go with it and I think this is where things like Pinterest are brilliant um, or just like I was talking to Hugh Wallace recently he said like old scrapbooks you know putting together magazine cutouts and things like that or just like a, a rock you like or a flower or something and just putting it together before you brave it because mm. like that's a big decision you know to change your yeah, house up on that level Nature is such an inspiration I mean you oh, can huge. be out and just take a photograph of a particular colour maybe a violet yeah. or a daffodil or whatever and then use that as your theme, inspo yeah. for yeah. And and that's the colour you're drawn to, like back to what I said about fashion. I think if you go to what you really are drawn to, and I've noticed um I wear a lot more colour in the last couple of years. I think, you know, maybe I'm tired because I'm a toddler, but I do think different times of your life you're drawn to different colours yeah, yeah. and different rooms. So if you're trying to relax, so I think this is an exciting time with interiors. We have all in we've got um charity shops and we have lots of different brands in Ireland and you know online as well, but yeah. locally that you can change your yeah. home or accessorise. And certainly when it comes to paint we yeah. have a lot of uh, makers manufacturers in Ireland now who Amazing. understand the dull light that we have a lot of the time exactly you know the, the kind yeah. of the grey skies and, and they are putting in more pigment or yeah, you know exactly. enriching to it that. to yeah, make it definitely. now you mentioned pastels earlier and when I think of pastels I think of like a pale pink and a pale blue and a pale you have actually chosen very dramatic like green and mauve I love that green and mauve is gorgeous it's yeah. so stylish it's very it's very opulent as I said and I, th- I think it's quite a mature c- colour palette you know like I think the pink ones are more for you know younger homes or toddler, you know for yeah. baby homes or yeah. just for like offices and things but I think this could be gorgeous in a study you know like in a okay. or in a living room it's very calming I like earthy colours. I have mm. a really busy life. So when I go home, I want to kind of ground myself. Nest. Whereas other people probably have different, you know, different choices. But I've really, I'm really drawn at the moment to very kind of rich, like the rich pigment of each colour. Does that make sense? Mm. And particularly with pastels. And like you say, we're blessed now. We have and like so many gorgeous brands in Ireland and there's sustainable brands as mm. well, mm. like Ralston and stuff like that, which actually are environmentally friendly. So there's no reason now why. No, and a lot of them, you don't get that, big strong smell that you used oh, to get yes. in the past you know You're high and, for like yeah, two days I know <laughs> add a bonus of, of doing up your wall <laughs> but um, so these pastels like you're including like 
very earthy tones here. So you're like uh, moss greens and this kind of it's deep like Irish mustard. kind of countryside, isn't it? Isn't it? it reminds you like of like tweed. Like, yeah, tweed, kind of a tweed blazer. That's exactly yeah, what I think. Or Connemara Hills. Uh, or gorgeous. I, I feel like it's yeah. a very Irish colour palette. I love yeah. it. I'm really drawn to that. Okay, well pop that up on your, on your Insta yeah. so we can all have a look at, because me describing it on the radio, folks, is probably not the best way of doing <laughs> oh, it. You are. You're doing very well. <laughs> Better than now, me. Now, <laughs> um, one of the colours you've introduced, I'm not mad about this now, I'll be honest with you, but maybe that's just my kind yeah. of thing. You know, I is that whole um, idea of coral. Yeah. Now, I think that's because for me, that's a throwback to long before you were born, back to the early 80s when every house was done up in a kind of a peach yeah. curly colour. Oh, I know. Bought yeah, by the job lot. And it was horrible then. And it's probably pretty horrible now. But that's what interiors are. They're, yeah. they're all about your own space. And like, you, there's a feeling behind it. People forget that interiors, you have memories and colours yeah. bring up memories. So. But you've, you've matched it here with like white. white. I think if you yeah. put it against other colours or if you had like a mauve or a purple, because like, you love purple, maybe you could integrate coral with purple. You know, and I think that's what it is, is bringing in, brave, braving the colours up with colours that you love. You know, like and making sure that they're the main ones. But I do think coral is a very tricky colour. It's like yellow. But I think some homes just really suited, probably more modern, you know, like with mm. a lot of light mm. that it's lifted versus a dark home. It might be a bit intense, you know, coming into that room. So it's really about what your space is, your budget and your lifestyle. And then I think looking at your colour palette in that way. Indeed. All right. Well, give us some then just to, to kind of wrap then our top tips about what colours go together. Because as I said at the beginning, lots of people get nervous about this. They don't know what goes with what and they end up then with magnolia and something or elephant's breath or whatever. So in terms of the of the basic colours, the reds they go and together. The yeah, reds and reds go reds. Like they're, you know, you all can, red. Are yeah. you talking about from pink right through yeah, to magenta? Yeah, I think they do. Yeah. And okay. I think you can see it in fashion. People are mixing it up with lipsticks, you know, pinks and reds oh, or nail varnish. Yeah. You know, like simple things. And that's how I'd look at it. Look at how you dress. So if you have it only on your nails, then only put it on your cushions. If you have it on your, your whole dress, then put it on your wall. You know, like it sounds simple, but yeah. Like look at it that one for men, probably more so than navies. And, but navy's a gorgeous colour. So I think blues and navies go really well together. Yeah. So you could have like a pale blue with the navy is gorgeous yeah. and greens go really well with greens so it's and as you said we're blessed we have so many like that's such a range now with all of the different um, brands like Dulux and I mean we could list them forever but there's so and of many. course when you go into a paint shop then that's exactly the way they put out their their palette cards so yeah. don't be afraid to kind of pick one from the lighter range and one from yeah. the darker range of the same Absolutely. So, so reds, blues and greens go with their own yeah. colour range okay Um what does yellow work with if you are going to use it as a colour pop? Like what 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 larger landscape can you put that on? I would put it on, as I said, I'd put it on a wall, but I'm more into the pastel. Yeah. And I would mix it with a, um, a pastel colour, like a colour match, like a mauve, you know, or so whatever. Or earthy colours Earthy colours, yeah. yeah. See, it all depends on your space and like, you know, your lifestyle as well. One, all right. But I definitely think on the more, the pastel side, the softer side. Okay. And of course, then the big trend over the last couple of years, and I don't know whether it still is, is the whole greys and beiges, the what do they really like Grage. Yeah, the I'm, I'm, I'm I've never been into Grage, to be honest. I mean, it's gorgeous and I walk into places and I'm, like I love... Like that hotel to, look, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, but I just don't think it's real life. And look, it's stunning, you know, in a magazine to look at it or to stay in it for a night. But I, I like character. I like, I'd rather see someone with a yellow wall. You know, and actually, and that Grage look, it's very hard to do on the cheap 
Um, oh, really hard. You yeah. have to spend a ton of money to get all those because it shows and everything. Yeah, it shows every yeah. finish in your yeah. home, every and end. You need all the texture to go with it, which yeah. is costs a lot of money. Okay, Natasha, you are great as usual. Now, uh, of course, you come in looking beautiful as well, and you were talking there about the fashion. Yeah, and wearing if you fashion wear relief. It, you're, yeah. So, talk to me a little bit about fashion relief. So, it's a, um, a boutique set up by Lorraine Keane, and we've just partnered. Well, I've just helped design the boutique and style it. So, they have just partnered with um, Breast Cancer Ireland. So, they launched during the week, and it's really exciting. All the proceeds go to Breast Cancer Ireland and Lorraine is one and only ambassador for oh, this she's and fab. she's the face of yeah. the brand. So. We've had her on the show. That's brilliant. Okay, so people can find more about that. Um, online, um, on my Instagram or Lorraine Keynes, but it's um, it's in the Frascati Centre in Blackrock. All right, okay. And of course, uh, on your own Instagram, yeah. uh, Natasha Rocker Divine, uh, and you will put up all of those colour combos. You're not relying on my... Don't rely on my descriptions. <laughs> go and check out the expert. Uh, Natasha, thank you so much thank for, you for having us me. again. You You've been listening to the Home Show podcast, which is produced by uh, Go Loud. And I hope you enjoyed all of our segments this week. Uh, That is all we have time for on this episode. We will have another one up next week. And if you'd like to listen back to any of those items or indeed any of our shows, and there is years worth uh, to accompany you on your walks or when you're sideline on a pitch or lying in bed having a coffee, uh, you can do so up on the Newstalk app, which is powered by Go Loud. And of course, we are on Newstalk Radio on Saturday mornings at 8am. The Home Show with Sinead Ryan. Saturday morning at 8. With Daikin on News Talk.